You're listening to Mount Hermeneutics, where three Marines give their perspective on God, faith, and spirituality with a heavy lean on the divine council worldview. This is not your grandma's Sunday school, nor is it always for the Christian faint of heart. Nothing about who we are or what we say make us experts. But you better believe we'll have a take, and perhaps it won't suck. Brian, no means no. For, for at least for 24 hours, we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> at least a, 20. Bad take. Maybe like 48. Look outward, not inward, Brian, for sure. <laughs> it's a podcast. I'm supposed to talk about stuff. What do you want? <laughs> Doing my job, man. All right, boys. Welcome to uh, Mount Hermeneutics. Uh, it's Matt uh, with my two co-hosts, uh, Andre and Brian. We're going to be talking about... Uh, it's a different it's a different podcast so there's a little bit of a disclaimer on this one this one's a parental advisory notice if uh if we've got any young chillins out there um go away this is probably going to be uh, above your age <laughs> as opposed and, to our usual g-rated fare absolutely yeah, but this whole thing's going to be you know a little bit wild so if you're under the age of ah. 18 like hit the stop button and come back after your birthday and we'll be ha happy to have you back or go find your parents <laughs> and have them listen along uh, you know, I don't, I don't plan on getting too, bro. I think the general ideas are, are adequate to touch upon without. We'll see what happens. Graphic yeah, detail. So, but yeah, I guess I mean, so we don't get sued. Good. I mean, here we, here we are with, you know, Brian, our theological badass. You got Matt who you know, pulls the <laughs> levers and, and pushes the buttons and brings the funny and uh, yeah. Anyway. So what we got is uh, some socials that are up. And we'll give you all that contact information at the end. But uh, for now, go ahead, leave a comment and uh, share the show with your friends and buckle up because we're about to talk drugs, sex and magic. Right on. Oh, and, and mm. Dre, before we get started, I want to say a thank you for uh, jumping on those socials for me. I know we're still a young program and there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, I've been dragging my feet on some of the other back-end production pieces. So for those me, at home, Dre's, me uh, too. Dre's stepped up and uh, taken on the socials. So if you get into any engagements with our official handles, either on Instagram or X or uh, Facebook, you'll be most likely engaging. <laughs> the artist with, formerly known as Twitter. With the Andre Bibbs <laughs> behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you get into a little Twitter beef, don't expect to get, don't, don't be surprised when you get your feelings hurt, like you're talking to the Wendy's app. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, tread, tread lightly and carefully, but bring it. Yeah, for sure. So Brian, how Brand, you feeling, uh, buddy? Ah, nah, meh. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I got, for the kids at home, I had a, I had a work trip. Came back with a little little something, some COVID like bug. I don't know. Little I little, just felt little crappy. A little little uh, uh, vid adjacent. Yeah. Hey, by the and also thanks, Dre. Seconding all of Matt's thanks. I felt kind of bad for dragging my feet on that stuff, but then you know, it is what okay. it is. Yeah. Yeah. We no, we're good. We we um. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just thought I'd take it and, you know, maybe have some fun with it. So I mean, well, and, once we start for those populating it, for those yeah. that don't know, Dre's, Dre's youngest daughter is a little bit of a social media famous person. So he's got a little in-house support there also. I'm sure he's getting some help. So, uh, appreciate that from the, the whole Bibbs household, uh, <laughs> digging in, about to get it in. So. <laughs> it's, it's funny too, because the, uh, the social media 
child is the one that probably least agrees with anything that's said on the show. <laughs> right. So, yeah. We'll turn her around. Yeah, we'll see. Or we'll, we'll see. have maybe we'll have her on as a uh, a recurring dissenting voice, right? I'm I mean, I'm sure she is too. So right. I mean we kind of dis- get we kind of dissent from each other enough to to kind of cover that. But not big, big picture. Right. Okay. Right. She's she's she I don't wanna I don't wanna over over plant the seeds, whatever, but she's liable to be the most, you know diametrically opposed to the bulk of what we talk about and what we what we collectively agree on. But you know, I, she I might surprise us too. Yeah, right. I I don't think that it's um it's uh beyond the you know too too far to say that she's she's stepped away from yeah. from from that environment. So mm. from this environment, if you will. Yeah, well, maybe we can. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll use some of our uh, conversation points and drag her back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so, so we we mentioned. So Dre kind of teased it. So we're talking about blood, sex, and magic. Um, I'm wearing a. Uh, for those that can't see, I'm wearing a Hellfire Club shirt, a la uh, Stranger Things. And uh, we've we've tapped we've tapped on this subject a couple of times, and I think uh, we kind of wanted to dive in and and get deep into the uh the specifics or maybe some of the details around some of the uh the things we keep alluding to Aleister Crowley and um and a few of the other individuals and that's kind of where we're going to go tonight so uh like Dre said buckle up I think this <laughs> this one should be interesting if, if not if nothing this should be entertaining um so so yeah and and I, and I think that I think that Brian will actually give it some merit on on you know who 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 this was and where where it started and 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 how it's relevant today, so, you know, for, to to put a serious, you know, angle serious. to this, boo. But but yeah, I think, boo I think serious. We, we make, make it make it relevant. It, it'll be good. So where do we start, guys? Should we start with with Crowley? Do we start with with um, D? Do we go back to the beginning and start with like the Garden of Eden and the fall? I mean, it's all interlaced, right? Like, how do we? How, what's the easiest way to tie this all together and well, start start going? I, I, I think the the main thing for our purposes is how this ties into the Divine Council worldview. Um, and just to so you know, just to review the the main uh, the main idea of the Divine Council worldview centers on that weird little passage in Genesis six about how uh, the sons of God went into the daughters of men and had offspring by them, the, the the Nephilim, and the Book of Enoch expands upon this and talks about how uh, these two hundred beings called the Watchers descended on Mount Hermon, and they're these we what we would call angels today. And they swore a pact to uh, <laughs> for for those at home who I guess we don't have video in any of our not yet. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we will soon. Dre, yes, we Dre will. did a they, Dre did a great impression of the ancient aliens guy, but uh, but yeah. So you've got divine beings ascending on Mount Hermon and uh, swearing a pact to uh, engage in this act of rebellion together, by which they um, take human women for sexual partners and uh, give humanity all of this forbidden knowledge. And then at the tower, and then this corrupted the earth. Uh, God flooded the earth, and then humans gathered to build the Tower of Babel, which was a ziggurat, which was a uh, basically a man-made sacred mountain to invite the, the the watchers to return to give them this forbidden knowledge. And uh, the Bible kind of talks about a, a lot of this 
somewhat indirectly and euphemistically we know about most of this from ancient near eastern uh literature like the uh, enuma elish and uh stuff about the upkalus and anunnaki um and the book of enoch of course but uh so basically you have this pattern that uh plays out in the near east where in humans seek the the favor of of the these lesser gods that god had given humanity over to at the tower of babel and they they this is the basis for magic and astrology and a lot of the idolatry of the middle east and it led to that influence led to a lot of weird sexual stuff and you kind of see this in the bible when when it talks about uh baal and and uh uh, ishtar worship um shrine prostitution um how the land was dotted with Asherah poles. Those were uh, basically like ancient Near Eastern religion was, was, was very porn based. Um, and uh, I don't want to get into too many details, but. Uh, oh, I do. Well, uh, all right. <laughs> Sounds That's like we're here. Baby. I mean, <laughs> I mean all, all the things you said, I mean, I, I heard you basically give the, uh, the biblical basis for stripper poles, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of weird things in there that you just that you just hit on but so, go ahead okay well speaking of details asherah poles these were these were phallic symbols like these were when it so when the bible talks about how they 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 uh turned aside to the bales and asterisks and the land the land was filled with groves of asherah poles well these were giant phalluses that were filling the land if you if you look at the the uh this isn't exactly ancient Near East, but if the, the ruins of Pompeii that have been preserved pretty well because of the volcano, as they've as they've uh, dug through all that and excavated it, and there there are penises on everything, like decorative penises all over the place. They were obsessed with penises. Um, it's like a so, Marine Corps. I was about gun. to say the same thing. It was <laughs> yeah. like a Marine Corps base. It's like there's penises everywhere there's, on cars. There's just, and there's just Lance Corporals balls. running around with sharpies. Right. Yeah. So for those that don't know, um, and I'm assuming that a, a good chunk of our listener base are military and Marines, uh, for the uninitiated Marines also have a strange obsession with penises and we, for whatever reason, find them graffitied all over everything in the fields and in the deserts and whatnot. So, well, we wear them on our sleeves. We- I mean, that's what, I mean, chevrons are, yeah. some would argue, are phallic symbols. I think it comes from a lot of 18-year-old boys who leave home for the first time, and then they're thrust into a shower with 80 other dudes. You and said just thrust. Nothing, nothing but penises all around, and and then they have to, you know, nuts about and stuff stuff of that nature. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, I mean. It just becomes, you just, we, you just become, you know, penis. Penis. <laughs> more penis you know this isn't this isn't really where i saw this conversation going but uh, that's why we're here brian yeah so uh but yeah it was very uh ancient near eastern religion very sex you know sexual based but of course it wasn't limited to that because pompeii wasn't the ancient near east but um but that's a pretty good example of ancient thinking and their obsession with sex and their religion was tied up well, in that. Hey, Brian, hang on. So, and I'll, yeah. I'll, so ancient, so you made a comment, Pompeii was an ancient Near East, but for, you know, 
the uninitiated, Pompeii was a long ass time ago. So what what are we? What's the generally accepted parameter for what constitutes the ancient Near East relative, and then the not so ancient but still old East? Like what's the what's the differentiator there? Like geograph geographically? No, no time or, wise. Uh, well, I'm talking about like uh, you know Old Testament period, like ancient Egypt and uh, right. But Canaan I mean, New Testament New Testament would be would still be A and E, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, specifically, I mean, you kind of have, you know, with uh, the the Greek and Roman empires, you didn't have as much of the ancient Near Eastern influence to to draw upon as for for examples here. But it was still pretty uh, pretty raunchy. Um, and and I think the the ancient Near East stuff is kind of kind of pre Greek Empire, so it would be like you know the Cadians and and Babylon and, and and things of that nature. So like up until yeah. like early to mid Rome. Um, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be too precise. I'm just because to me, I I when you made the comment that Pompeii wasn't ancient Near East, I'm like, I mean, it's Rome, right? Like, I mean, to me, it's yeah. We're still talking about that same world, right? And it's that region that you know, I, in my brain, I'm thinking centurions came and went, right? Like they went and did tours down in, in Jerusalem area, and then they went back up to Rome. So they would have brought the. Sure. But I mean, it's sure a poll idea with okay. them, right? It's kind of thing. So, that's, all, that's all I was just, I was just thinking there's probably some linkage there that makes sense. Yeah. I, um, okay. So you had the Assyrian empire uh, first, probably around, uh, gosh, what, are the, what would, what would be the dates around like, uh, 800 to 600 ish BC. And then the Babylonians rose to power, but they're culturally, they're very similar. They kind of worship the, the same milieu of gods, um, albeit named differently. Did um, you say milieu of gods? Yeah, okay, <laughs> I did. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm just me... trying to highbrow the conversation <clears throat> up by using fancy words to offset all of Dre's penises. That's that's exactly what that's exactly it. I feel like, because um, penises are the milieu of the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> Since um, 1994. Okay, Probably so when you beyond. Um, so we've talked. You guys know about the 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 sacred bed of Marduk. We've talked about that. Before, we we didn't right? talk. You should, you should probably give a high level recap in case <clears throat> folks are tuning in for the first time. Okay, so um, when. The Israel, when Moses led the Israelites to conquer Og, king of Bashan, and Bashan is kind of a uh, has some some demonic underworld connotations, but uh, the writer is it in Numbers or Deuteronomy? Um, anyway, they mentioned the dimensions of Marduk's iron bed, and they're I don't remember the exact dimensions, but they're huge. Dr. Michael Heiser points out that these are the exact dimensions of the sacred bed of Marduk. Marduk was the Babylonian storm god. He was the the chief god of the the uh, Babylonian pantheon. The 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 ziggurat of Enemanaki, which is which most scholars agree is the basis for the the Tower of Babel. Like um, the tower, the the tower they're trying to build in Genesis eleven that became the the ziggurat of Enemanaki, uh, a sacred mountain. Atop of the the ziggurat was the sacred bed of Marduk. Um, so of course, why was, why was the storm God Marduk descending to the, in their conception, descending to the top of the ziggurat for a bed? Was it to, to take a nap or, 
well, it was for it was for ritual sex, and the the uh, and this is kind of uh, kind of a good example of ancient Near Eastern religion how it's it's it revolved around sex. Um, priestesses would go up and kind of be offered to the god to for his uh, for his enjoyment. Um, Baal and Ishtar worship. They would they would enact sex in the temple. They would basically put on porn shows to arouse the gods. The the thinking was that when it was Baal was the storm god, Ishtar or Astart or it Ashtoreth, depending on the di- the region or dialect, it's all the same goddess. She was the earth goddess. The thinking was that when it was raining, this was Baal having sex with Ishtar. The rain was his seed that uh, penetrated her and fertilized the crops. And so if there was a drought, well, that the, the gods weren't in the mood. So they would have these, this, these basically this sacred porn shows to arouse the gods. And that's why the land was dotted with Asherah poles. And, and you kind of have this tendency of them exalting sex to this, uh, deifying it, turning it into an idol which of course leads to surplus babies, which of course offers an outlet for the outlet for that is sacrifice child sacrifice to Moloch. And so it was, you know, rather than anything enticing or, or uh, arousing, this was basically a horror show. Um, So when you read in the old Testament about how God was so furious with the Israelites for turning aside to Baal and Ash and uh, Ishtar worship, well, this was why, um, and so you have that pattern of humans seeking the watchers, seeking to the favor of these lesser gods, and that influence leads to this this uh, this sexual perversion. And um, you know, and as, as we've discussed before, once you kind of understand those passages in the Book of Genesis, what's going on in Genesis six, Genesis eleven. Um, the rest of the Bible basically explodes with, with meaning. Cause it's, 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 it's there throughout it. When uh, like in Colossians, when Paul condemns the worship of angels, he's, he's talking about this, um, this kind of, this kind of practice. Um, and so as church history went on, you didn't hear that much about this. Um, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. As I was telling, I think I mentioned this to you guys while we were like after the part that we recorded for the show. Um, Since I learned about the divine council worldview, like I had, I thought I understand the Bible pretty well in Western history. And I done a lot of reading in Western occultism and uh, esoteric tradition and, and mysticism. And I thought I had a pretty good handle on it. But once I you know, once I discovered Heiser and the Divine Council worldview, it's like all of it was this big, long M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> um, like there was this twist ending. Now and like now that I see it, reviewing everything, I realized that was that's kind of always there. Yeah. Um, it's, Hiding in plain sight, kind of thing, right? right. But like I and it, it's kind of driven me to go back and review all of the this the stuff I've read, like particularly in Western occultism, um, particularly John D and uh, hermetic alchemy and all this stuff. And, uh, and it's kind of like the same, the same patterns we see in the, in the old Testament with the uh, Mount Hermon and the tower of Babel 
we kind of see in Western occultism. Um, angel magic was kind of a big deal in medieval and Renaissance magic, particularly with John Dee, and then later with Aleister Crowley, and you kind of see the same patterns play out. Um, I'm kind of... But by patterns, you're talking about the idea of like the human trying to do things kind of going up in their level of knowledge and then having like a disastrous end, like to simplify it, or are you talking about something different? What do you mean I'm by talking patterns? specifically about seeking the, uh, this forbidden, this, this secret knowledge from angels. Mm -hmm. And then it, then it leading to weird sex stuff. Right. Um, it's, and you, the, if you, what I infer from, uh, Genesis six and 11 and, and the, the overall pattern we've discussed is that, you know, the, the spiritual forces of darkness and the heavenly realms with whom we are at war, like that they, they hate humanity and they, they hate God for, for choosing humanity to, to, to be his image bearers, to, to rule creation, um, and to rule as God's regents. One of the things they hate about us and they're most jealous of is our sexuality. Um, not just the sex act, although obviously from Genesis 6, that's something they they covet, but our ability to to create life, to to reproduce. As far as we know, spiritual beings can't do that. Um, and you know, creating the Nephilim, you know, that which were you know, unnatural, you know, we don't, we don't get a physical description other than their great size, but they were, you know, that they were, they were violent menacing creatures and that, uh, you know, basically uh, brutalized the earth wherever they went. And uh, imagine a bunch of pissed off Andre, the giants, <laughs> except like, 10 Kane feet tall I, I mean but i mean if they were just andre the giant size right or 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 you know uh any of those other you know professional wrestler freak of nature the shaquille o'neal the big yeah, show right. yeah i mean yeah. imagine if those three dudes walked into a bar together and they just decided they wanted to fight everybody like it'd be a bad day right but then an army of them like wow right. but I, yeah. I get your point i mean ostensibly they were larger than that i don't know i mean again i i I don't want to get into quibbling over the spe specificities and, you know, m measurement perfections that are in some of the old Testament writings. Right. So they were, they were big. Maybe they were 10 feet tall. Maybe they were eight and a half feet. Maybe they were just, you know, big, but regardless, when you have that, when you have an, a, an entire, you know, chunk of people like that, it's a pretty staggering visual. And at what, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm speculating here, but, the fact that this was an unnatural union between mm -hmm. divine and human natures that that led to these these monsters like I, I what i suspect is that god wasn't angry about it just because of the menace they posed to, to humans but for the the cruelty to the nephilim themselves like uh i'm th like the, i'm thinking of like a like a purebred dog like a bulldog um I think breeding bulldogs at this stage is cruel because they're so inbred. Their snouts are too short to breathe. They have back problems. They're just these, these little just crimes against nature. 
Um, I, I agree, by the way. <clears throat> yeah. It, it, yeah. hundred percent. That's kind of what Nephilim were like. They, like, I don't, like, I don't think it was fun to be a Nephilim. Like it was an unnatural thing where like they weren't happy to be there. Like it was kind of a condemnation to be born as this. Um, but the angels were so jealous of our ability to reproduce that they just, they did it anyway because of that. I mean, I guess, for, yeah, I guess that's definitely one way to think about it. I, 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 I got to think that their existence was, you know, a problem for a lot of reasons. One, what you say could be true, right? Maybe it was just hard for them to get full, right? Because there wasn't enough things that they could eat that were the right size that produced a kind of, you know, what, if, what would their caloric intake requirements be? It'd be massive, right? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, you know, uh, I, I'm having like water boy quotes in my head, you know, mama say Nephilim so angry because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. Right. But like, <laughs> you're just, just like, there's so many things that could be problematic for that, but obviously, you know, in a broad cosmological, you know, order sense, right. It, it, it imbalanced everything. Right. So that was a problem that was, that was clearly problematic. Um, but I wonder, like, so it's an interesting theory that you've got about the, the angels yeah, and, being and, jealous because all we get from the Bible is that they, they saw women to be beautiful, right. Which that leaves us with, you know, conjecture and all that kind of stuff. And I don't disagree with you, by the way, like, well, I mean, it definitely could be the jealousy has always been portrayed in any kind of pop culture, right. All of the movies that I've ever seen books, whatever about angels and, and there's I'm basing, always that jealousy angle. Yeah. Right? And I'm basing sure. a lot of this on, uh, and I'm, I'll get into more detail as we go on, but I, today I just, I just reviewed all of Crowley's 30 aethers, these 30 rituals that he underwent based on the uh, Enochian magic of John D and Edward Kelly, by which he, it's the, it's these rituals that were done to induce these visions that were meant to transform his consciousness to bring about the, the, the eon of Horus, which is this, uh, this, this next age of, of human history that, uh, that Crowley believed he, Crowley believed he had this messianic role in bringing about, or at least he said he believed. But when you look at, and by the way, I don't recommend anybody read this stuff. It's, it's perverse. It's uh, it, it's not a good time. But the links will be in the description below for all those books. <laughs> um, you know, I guess that was going to be my my question. Like, um, what's the point? Right. So here, here we are, we have these jealous beings and because, because perhaps uh, the creative nature of what sex is, but also you have the emotional side of, of sex and the spiritual side of sex that, that we really, we forget to talk about in today in, in modern, in, yeah. in modern thinking and, and culture. And so where is the power in that? So, so what? So, okay. So some angels came down they wanted to have sex with humans. Cool. But now that you know thousands of years later you have a john d you have an alistair crowley crowley that uh that want to uh get back to this and find out what you know what's what's missing what's the point why do they need to do these sex rituals and what does that actually bring them and what power of angels or aliens or because because crowley will call things even even aliens even you know the grays uh lamb um you know, ripping, ripping space portals and 
and all kinds of nonsense that happened back then? That is a that is a very good question, and I'm glad you asked it because I was beginning to wander off and and ramble. Yeah, that, and that's and I kind of felt that you were wandering off. So I, I'm, just, <laughs> um, I'm just like, what, what's what's the power in that? Why do we to, why do we answer? That? That, why do we need to have sex? Why do we or why do the, the why do watchers? they? I guess why? Well, why do why is a sex ritual so important? I think to give for you them, power here because there's no way that a a priest like these humans are going to perform these rituals without getting something out of it, other than just getting off. Right, because it was it was super hedonistic. It was super like bisexual and orgies and and lots of you know sounds like a good time in the 1920s. But yeah, uh, that is what do a, they get out of it? The sex itself is not necessarily the point. I think the point is perverting us. Uh, it's distorting and mutilating our. The image of God in us, and I, but to, I, I, I think maybe from the angel's point of view. But what's if I'm a if I'm a, a Thelian priest? What is what about the sex act actually takes me to another plane? I mean, you also add in the drugs, right, to to get your mind into a different spot. But what is it about the sex, particularly, that helps you get to that thing? It's like a, it's almost okay. like a different type of meditation, right? All so right. hang, so hang so, on, hang on, hang on before you answer that, Brian. Okay. So, so Drew, I gotta, I gotta ask you a clarifying question. What's a Thelian priest? Oh, um, I think, I think Brian's gonna have to answer that. But that's the, that's the uh, Crowley's religion. It, uh, of, I, yeah, I, the Thelamite, like a, like a Vegemite Thelema. sandwich, but more yeah. of a Thelamite sex act. Yeah, so. and that's. I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure we keep all the terms clarified. <laughs> okay. So, I, to, I thought that that term would come this, up again. So. Yeah, it's going to come up, and I'm I'm to to explain this. I need to I need to lay out some basic principles, and you guys are going to get mad at me at first, and you're going to want to interrupt me. And we are so, but I'm gonna, and and, I'm and gonna... we and we will and we will okay. <laughs> carry on. But okay, but this might sound like I'm over promising here, but what I'm out what I'm about to say, if you if you hear me out on this, you guys, the listeners you will have the key to understanding all magic and religion and all of human history. Pin and pin and teller just got really interested. Not like <laughs> stage magic, but magic in the sense Crowley I, I, used. I, I know, I know what you mean. Well, he's, he spelled magic with a the, K. I'm not, I'm not quite from. sure that David Blaine's not a demon. So <laughs> yeah, carry on. David, David Blaine's like, shut the fuck up, Brian. He, I think David might be a Nephilim himself. So, you know. Okay. So, when we speak of the occult, the occult just means hidden, but it means a lot of different things. So it's the same. Not... It's the same root as occlude. What's that? Is it the same root? The etymology is it tied to the word occlude? Is that what you mean by hidden? Uh probably, yeah. But you're the well, English major. I just made an assumption. The the when we speak of the occult, we we mean one of. one of a number of meanings, but uh, that are not necessarily the same, but there's enough overlap that we tend to conflate them when we talk about the occult. There's uh, like, it's a cult, it's hidden in the sense that like the, the sense that an ancient mystery religion was like you, you have to be initiated into the, into the secret society to learn the secrets and it's deliberately kept hidden. There's a, but then there's a cult in another sense in which there are, there are hidden truths that are in just intrinsic to nature. And when we talk about how science grew out of magic, uh, 
uh, medieval and Renaissance magic. That's the sense we're talking about. Like they were trying to discover the seek the the occult knowledge of the universe to understand the the universe as a as an integrated system of cause and effect. Um, but one of the other one of the other pursuits of, of that w- that goes under the name occult that isn't necessarily either of those two things is that there there was the belief that there was a perennial religion like a like a universal ultimate religion that unifies all religions that that you can go back if you go back far enough in time to the ancient Egyptians and even the Atlanteans or Lemurians the civilizations that predated that predated Egypt, they had this, this perennial philosophy and much of medieval and, and Renaissance occultism was, was dedicated to finding that. And this was, this would be a way to understand those, those secrets of uh, secrets of the universe that would bestow all of these, the secret power that secret societies uh, are in pursuit of by their rituals and initiations and, and all that stuff. And so um, those aren't, those aren't the, the, the keys to understanding all magic and, and religion yet though, we're, we're not quite there. I'm just laying the groundwork. <clears throat> the one thing that all religions, all ancient religions have in common is that they, they all recognize that the human condition as it is, is a problem to be solved. They all recognize there's something wrong with life as as we find ourselves in it and they seek to resolve that the the problem the problem essentially is mortality it's death we we seek permanence we we don't want to die um and so they offer a remedy for that and that's where the similarities end um you guys have heard me we've talked about this before how there are really only two religions in the world mm-hmm two types of religions yeah i would say there are two religions in the world and everything else is either an offshoot or a, a subset or a a heresy or a or a syncret or a syncretization of one of those one or both of those two religions um in, in this i say this with regard to answering that question of the you know that providing the answer to the problem of the human condition um, we seek permanence, but we're, but life is temporary and we want to resolve that. Those two religions offer two competing answers on what is eternal and permanent. Um, well, let me back up. The, the, the one thing our religions have in common in terms of solving that problem is they, they recognize the problem of the human condition and the solution to it is to find out what's permanent and eternal and by aligning ourselves with that by con- by by conforming ourselves to what is eternal we gain a measure of of eternal of eternality and immortality and that's what enlightenment is, is is understanding and identifying with the eternal to escape the temp the temporary which means you by necessity you have to detach yourself from what is transitory and fleeting and align with the eternal. And that's how you get that eternal, that eternality of your own. You guys follow so far. Mm -hmm. You guys are being uncharacteristically attentive and not interrupting. And it makes me nervous. Um, But um, so there's that. 
Dre just jumped at the camera to, to startle me and it, and it worked a little bit, but, um, so that's principle one of three. <clears throat> the two religions in the world are, they both answer the question of what is eternal differently. Um, Western traditional monotheism says that God alone is eternal and the universe is contingent upon him. It's, it, it's a product of him. God alone is, is eternal and we can be we can find immortality and enlightenment by aligning by aligning ourselves with God. Eastern religion has it that the universe is eternal and all life and consciousness in the gods themselves arose from within it. Um, and Hinduism is probably the most developed version of this um, and identifies the universe as God, but uh, like other pagan religions that basically see the gods in terms of being personified forces of nature like thor is the storm god zeus is the storm god apollo is the sun poseidon is the ocean so on and so forth um hinduism and judeo-christian tradition they both answer this question very differently um about what is eternal and how enlightenment is to be found um, in the book of Genesis, you see, um, God creates the universe by distinguishing up by, by the distinction of opposites. He separates light and darkness to create time, separates above and below to create space, separates dry land from water to create earth, so on and so forth. And at each stage, he says, it is good. And at the end of it all, he looks at all of creation and says, it is very good. So put a pin in that. Hinduism, on the other hand, sees the, the goal of Hinduism or their, their view of the human condition is that we're trapped in this cycle of samsara. We, we live, we die, we're reborn over and over again. Um, as, we go as we go through our life after life after life, we accumulate good karma or bad karma. If we're born in this life as a cockroach, if we're a really good cockroach, we might we might be a rat in the next life. If we're a, if we're a bad king in one life, we might be reincarnated as a pauper, um, depending on our karma. But overall, this is a, the cycle of samsara. It, it is itself a curse. Um, it's something to be escaped entirely. By and the way that they offer to do this is by realizing that your individual identity is an illusion. Um, that ev that everyone and everything is Brahman, um, and if you can re and if you can understand and actualize your identification with Brahman, you abolish your individual ego, and then when you when you're when you die, you're reabsorbed into into Brahman. You lose your individual identity. Um, you guys follow so far? Mm -hmm. Have I bored you yet? No. Do you kind of see how these are opposite, how these are opposite and antagonistic to each other? Yeah. I feel like I skipped over details, so I'm not. No, there's, there's no details you skipped over. It makes total sense, but okay. Um, so what's principle three? That was, that was principle three. Um, well, principle what was two? Two was, okay. Principle one was how they all had this one principle in common. Principle two was this is what, how the West sees it. 
God is eternal. Oh, and principle three is the opposite of that. And principle three is the universe is eternal and all consciousness and individuality is a, is a, is contingent upon that. And so, but just to kind of flesh this out a little more in Christianity, death is the enemy and it's solved by resurrection you where we uh were raised again in glorified bodies and we live forever on a renewed earth because as the book of genesis says god saw that it was very good and so this is something this is something he values human life differentiation the created order uh, this is all very good and something god wants to preserve in hinduism it's it's an evil it's 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 a curse to be escaped and the goal is to escape from that 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 differentiation and to be reabsorbed into the into the into the one into the into the undifferentiated collective consciousness the, the cosmic force right um or brahman the the world soul but um So, you know, a lot of people talk about how they'll say things like all religions are essentially the same. They just have superficial differences. This is absolutely untrue. Apart from that one thing they have in common, recognizing the, uh, the problem of the human condition, they are fundamentally opposed. They're actually opposites. Now, if we take that into consideration and look at the, the, what the Bible says about this cosmic war that we're in, we're you know, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the, the, the rulers, the powers, the principalities, the spiritual forces of darkness and the heavenly realms there. As we read in Psalm 82, God has pronounced a sentence of death upon them. We read in the book of revelation, how at the, at the end, they'll be judged and cast into the lake of fire. Um, but for now they do rule that they do rule the world and their, their goal, they, they know they can't win. They know their so their goal is to prolong the war as long as possible to keep the the gospel from spreading the church from triumphing over and and winning the nations back for Christ as long as they can do that their 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 execution is stayed so and the reason this is important is if you if you look at like all of occult tradition um. First of all, this pursuit of the perennial philosophy, as if we don't already have the true religion in Christianity, um, that serves to delay the end, that serves to, to hamper the church. But also, if you look to specifically to uh, like a lot of the occult tradition that followed after John D and the Rosicrucians, like uh have you did you guys hear about have you guys read about the theosophical society but founded by uh helen blavatsky she was kind of she was one of crowley's influences Mm-mm. um that doesn't sound familiar the rosicurians yeah but i mean i and and no okay well it, uh, it, it sounds a little familiar like i mean there's a long there's a tree of of crowleyites so well, she was a she was an influence on Crowley. One of oh many. oh oh so above, so before right. okay, but um, it's basically just warmed over Hinduism. Really, if you look in all New Age religion, all occultism, 
like if you read Crowley, it's full of it, it's it's got all this biblical language. It's full of all of this this inside jargon, and part of being initiated into the into these uh, these secret societies is learning all the jargon, figuring out what all the symbols mean, um, unpackaging it, seeing how everything fits together. If you boil it down to its essence, it's basically just Hinduism. It's basically just this idea of abolishing your individual ego um, and being and escaping the cycle of samsara. It's it's also isn't that also somewhat related to Taoism? Um, I feel like because I'm not I'm not super, yeah it's, I'm not it's, well it's read the, on Hinduism, but I, I I read a little bit of of Taoism and and it feels like that was a big part of it was the whole thing of your existence is is your your cross to bear, which by the I, way isn't entirely far from from core Judaism, right? In what sense? Well, Jews believe that. And I'm hyper simple. I'm hyper uh, sim- simplifying this, right? But they don't believe in the concept of hell the same way that Christians do, and they believe that their existence is their punishment and their hell, and that they have to just simply survive and make it through so they can go on because they're the chosen people and they're going to go be with God after they die, right? Well, again, I'm super simplifying, but at a, at at the very very high level, that's Judaism, right? Well. Judaism is, I mean, they, they believe the Messiah is going to come and set up God's kingdom on earth. I mean, they're Judy, this idea, I I, I get get that part, but I'm just talking about as it relates to what we were talking about, like that, don't, don't overcomplicate my answer. I I said, very, very, very simple. They, but they don't believe there's, it's possible for them to go to hell. They believe this is their hell. And that once they're done, they serve their time and then they move on. Uh, I would, I disagree with that. Um, I don't, I don't think that's what, what, what most Jews would say, well, at least what most traditional Orthodox Jews would say, they they believe in the the resurrection from the dead at the end of history. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, I don't know what that has to do with what I said. You're you're disagreeing, but you're offering a point that has that has no well, contrary because, because concept to are, what I said. Because those are opposing concepts. Like the no, they're the, not the biblical idea of do Jews believe they go to hell. I reject the premise of the question. Um, on what grounds? Well, it depends on how you define hell. Because Dude, the, okay, so okay, I'll use more words. Do okay. Jews believe that there's a lake of burning fire that they're going they could potentially spend eternity in if they're not good Jews? Um, they believe in a final judgment in which they that you can be separated from God for all of eternity. Yes. Do they do believe Christians in a lake of fire? Do Christians believe that? That in separation I mean, I'm sure from there's, God? I think there's I think there's subsets of Christians who believe there's a lake of fire where you eternally well, burn, right? When you but is that all the really preachers the that I grew of, up with did? Well, okay. I mean the hellfire and it, brimstone. The Bible def, what the, the Bible defines hell as separation from God. The, the, and I, let, death let me, as separation from God, more specifically, right? Well, hell itself is separation from God. Right, but um, I'm, I'm going back to if we're going to you know, get into what the words mean and all that, right? The way I've always had it explained to me in, in very specific terms is the f- concept of death is being apart from God, right? And that's why death is the ultimate horrible thing, because how could you want to spend an eternity away from the love of God, right? And yeah, but that's all- also, and I, I agree with that 
definition, mm -hmm. but that's also what hell is. That's what's why it's called the second death. Um, okay. And this kind of, and maybe, and maybe I need, I need to flesh out the, my, my setup a little better. Um, the goal the, in the Bible, the goal of uh, eternal life, it's, it's not as is commonly thought going away to an afterlife as a, as a disembodied soul or spirit, it is it's resurrection to eternal life here embodied in this world renewed and condemnation hell. Um, and, you know, people, you know, people can debate whether the lake of fire is metaphorical for, for that, because they're, you know, Jesus himself, he uses the, the language of the, the fires of Gehenna, which was, uh, Gehenna was a, it was a, a valley outside of this, the city of Jerusalem. Um, some people say it was a garbage dump, but it was, uh, I haven't been able to find a source for that, but it was a valley where they would sacrifice to Moloch and, and other false gods and it was condemned. And so it was, it was seen as a place of final judgment. Um, he also uses the language of outer darkness. Um, Paul in second Thess or first Thess first Thessalonians one nine I think he talks about how uh, the the con the damned will be shut out from the glorious presence of the Lord for eternity and mm -hmm. that's basically what death and hell are being it, it's 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 being shut out from God's presence which is could be defined as non-existence but it's you know, whether or not you're conscious for eternity of, of your non-existence or not, that's, I, I think there are good arguments for and against that, but, but to your point, yeah, de death as it's defined in the Bible is that separation from God, whereas life is eternality as, you know, embodied as the person you are, but glorified and, and, and elevated. Um, whereas Hinduism the goal is that non-existence. It's mm -hmm. uh, just simply breaking the cycle for the sake of breaking the cycle. Right. Yeah. Um, because existence itself is suffering and the goal is to escape that suffering. And it's, it's, it's offered as something good. It's offered as this is, it's called salvation and eternal life and enlightenment and immortality. But it's literally the opposite of how we see it. Right. Like every, yeah. and it's, and I'm not overstating this to say that every everything that's upheld as good and valuable to be attained within the Bible is inverted in Hinduism. This is all this is all to be avoided. That hell itself is what they're offering as salvation, and that and if we consider that we are at war with the spiritual forces of darkness who hate humanity and want to destroy as many as much of humanity as they can before the end because they don't want to they don't want to be alone in their condemnation it's if you unpackage all of the stuff that crowley taught and madame blavonsky and um you know modern uh, new age thinking it all basically turns into hinduism it's all about abolishing the ego and destroying your individual your your dissociating your individual identity and uh being one with everything which is again in the book of genesis creation life is a matter of distinction god starting with the void the 
the every the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface of the deep and he created light and differentiation and everything reproduced according to its kind and it was and it is good and he means for that to be eternal hinduism well that's all that's all bad and to be escaped um and and it's the the undifferent everything should be one and undifferentiated i.e uncreated in their view um and so you know, I having read, having just reviewed uh, Crowley's Thirty Aethers, like everything, every one of these rituals and the the visions that he he reports to have had with the ritual, it's all about uh, destroying the individual ego. Um, Christ is depicted in these visions as as a as a defeated and humiliated villain. Who, le who led the world astray by teaching us about sin and salvation, which is illusion. Um, and a lot of this is about uh, going back to all the sex stuff. Crowley's big thing was uh, freeing humanity from sexual repression. Now, I don't think you need any, I don't think you need a, a spiritual or, or demonic explanation for why humans give in to our sexual urges um that that's kind of our default unless we learn to discipline them um but the the innovation crowley brought was to to offer this as a way of liberation this is a way of achieving enlightenment is is destroying every taboo every every restriction on our sexual behavior this is this is just a this is just a barrier to enlightenment and so to achieve enlightenment you have to transgress every every possible uh restriction on your sexual urges um and his his religion as as dre mentioned it, he called it thelema which is from the greek word for for will the go the goal of his religion is to achieve the true will like in everybody um which is kind of the the opposite of the one thing our religions have in common um anything that sorry go, go ahead dre uh, but but that that true will has to do with your your destiny or uh your purpose uh where where you're supposed to be and not necessarily and even in, and this is in crowley's words too is not it doesn't refer specifically to the hedonism of of the sex act itself, but to I guess shed all the norms so that you can go beyond those types of desires and do what a true will would would have you do. Right, that's a good point. Um, like he's so it's not like sex wasn't the goal. The goal was go beyond sex. Right, but the the goal of it was like society telling you you shouldn't do that. If you do that, we'll shame you and disapprove of you. Well, that's that's an impediment to your true will. Society itself and these pressure, these external pressures that restrict your will, those are things that are to be cast off. And so if you can shed those taboos, if you can break those barriers, yes, the sex act itself is not the purpose. The purpose is to the purpose is the rebellion. But I guess I guess my question is like why why stop at sex? That's not the only thing that I mean, why not why not kill somebody? Why not steal things? Why not uh lie? Why why not do all all the things that you know he claims would be uh you know a, 
a, a break of the social con contract. And if and so, if you if you were in your true will, you wouldn't want to break the social contract, right? Well, I think to to me, it's an easy answer, right? It's a cop out. Because I, because I agree, which is why I was asking there, those questions rhetorically. Yeah, I mean, that's hundred percent. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm super edgy, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna do anything I want up to the point of sex, but I'm not gonna do all the things that are gonna put my ass in jail or get me executed or you know locked up or my friends won't talk to me or my family embarrassed. Right? Like, sex is one thing, but you know, killing somebody or you know, sabotage or arson, you start crossing the lines into, you know, violence upon other humans, right? Um, as long as everybody at the orgy is consenting, it's a totally different animal. That's what, yeah. And Crowley would, you know, if asked, would, would say things like, yeah, don't, don't do that. That's not in keeping with it. He, he claimed to be pro-human, but not, not all Crowleyites think that way. A lot of, I mean, that those are, you know, those Everybody's questions gotta take, are, they got to take it too far. It's why we can't have nice things. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, who are the, remember those kids who, uh, I mean, they, they weren't really Crowley's fault, but, uh, Leopold and what's his name, who, uh, they were really into Nietzsche and they, uh, they took his idea of the Ubermensch and being beyond good and evil. This, I think it was in like the 1920s or thirties. Um, in, a, in the United States, these couple of kids who, uh, like teenagers, were really into Nietzsche and took his idea of being beyond good and evil and becoming an Ubermensch really seriously, and they killed somebody to uh, to achieve mm -hmm. this. And but uh, but yeah, I mean it's. I mean, but all of this stuff always seems to link back, right? Like the the Black Dahlia, and uh, I mean any of these old these in, 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 even newer right but anytime you look at historically any of these cult they're always backlinked and they, you can always back chain them back into the same things at the end of the day right like whether it's crowley or nietzsche or charles manson yeah they're right like i mean that dude that dude was tapping on these same things when he yeah, was for, when he was for running all his of little... their for all of their claims to to originality and enlightenment there's only like a few basic ideas but what's really funny is if you pull that thread long enough, it almost feels like it goes all the way back to Eden. It's well, almost like all of it goes into the same little linear chain all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, that's and that's basically my point is that the like once you cut through all the crap and all the all the the window dressing and Dungeons and Dragons costumes and and ritual and secrecy and all the all the inside baseball jargon of the of crowley and blavatsky and new ageism and and even john d and the the hermetic alchemists it's all the same stuff that you're reading about in the bible mm -hmm. um it's the same basic conflicts it's it's um but to to dre's question if you read crowley's 30 aethers and he's seeing these visions um, one of the visions he, he worshiped, which what's funny is he's so hostile to Christianity and much of his, his enlightenment comes in teaching people the the lies and illusions of Christianity, but he, he is 100% dependent on Christian symbolism and language. And he, he worshiped the, the whore of Babylon as a goddess and the, the mother of the, uh, the, the messiah of the of the the new age um but of course he has to rely on the book of revelation to do this 
but he, but he grew up in a in an uber <laughs> christian household right. which he seems to be rebelling against as as he's doing more drugs and and getting his own vision i mean my man went to went to egypt went to the the pyramid and that's when horace like actually talked to him right and he had and he had to like write that down that was in 1904 yeah um <laughs> um well t- technically it was his 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 wife that horace spoke through because like right, had... he was on his honeymoon right that was right. that was the <laughs> more, more sex right. that's when he got the uh the book of the law so he says but um yeah horace is the the god of his new eon but um but if you look in his visions like murder is kind of a kind of a big deal um like it it he doesn't outright say go out and murder but um the he, he the imagery of the whore of babylon holding the cup full of the blood of of christians that's a big deal for him like he's really excited about christians getting murdered um that's one of the things that definitely comes out of his his visions but uh kids don't do heroin to be fair heroin lsd he, he didn't get into heroin until later well, I mean, because all the other stuff was too soft. He's like, wait, there's some new shit that'll, that'll actually take my mind to another place. Yeah, yeah. he, had, he, had, he, he hadn't talked he hadn't talked to Horace in a while. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah, as you alluded, he's he's really just a spoiled kid who's mad at his mom, who his 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 overbearing. He's a, he's a, he's a satanic Cartman. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> well, except Cartman's mom was indulgent, but um, but. Yeah, mom! his entire <laughs> his mom had typical Christian Victorian ideas about sex, and so he spent his entire life basically rebelling against them. Like, and you know, and he was and he wanted to do gay sex too, right? So it was like, well, we you know, Christians say I can't do gay sex, but the whore of Babylon, yeah, one commanded, of the, commanded me to do gay sex. Yeah, one of one of the major aspects of these rituals where he was he was tr- inducing these visions in in which his his holy guardian angel Awas spoke to him and gave him these visions part of he part of destroying his ego and destroying and breaking these taboos was as part of the ritual he had his disciple sodomize him. Yeah, that um, might destroy my ego as well. Yeah. Yeah, I can appreciate that that uh, that train of thought. And uh, I'd like my and, ego intact, though. Thanks. Right? And this figures pretty prominently in on all of his like homosexual sex magic was like his big insight that uh, that that I forgot the guy's name. He was the the leader of the Ordo Templi Orientis. Um, the OTO. Is, you talk about Smith. Not Smith, um, as a German guy. Anyway, he read in Crowley's newsletter, The Equinox. Um, Crowley wrote about this, this, uh, you know, being sodomized to destroy your ego. And also, like, sex magic has to do with visualizing um, what you want through the ritual at the point of organet at the point of orgasm is supposed to give you power to achieve it. And this is kind of a major feature of sex magic. 
But anyway, Crowley wrote about his insights, if you can call it that, about being sodomized for the purpose of visionary experience and uh, magical power. The leader of the OTO read this and Carl Kellner. That's I think that's him. Yeah, he he visited him and kind of chided him for giving away his their secrets and Crowley. Well, I, nobody told me that I came up with it. And he, according to Crowley, he appointed him the, you know, chief ninth degree, whatever of in, in their order and made him the leader of it. And so that became a major moneymaker for, for Crowley later on. But, um, but yeah, so the, the overall pattern here is uh, well, okay. So this, just to back up a little bit to, to sort of reestablish our basic principles, Christianity, the, the problem of the human condition is that in the fall, we, we were made in the image of God, but we fell and now, and we're enslaved our our instincts and appetites. We've basically become animalistic again. And being saved means being we receive the Holy Spirit, we're born again, and we have we have the divine nature. And now it's a matter of participating in the divine nature and overcoming our animal instincts. And Second Peter, he talks, he describes the the Christian life in terms of participation in the divine nature and escaping the corruption that's in the world because of appetites. Um, and and you see this constant contrast between the, the the saints, the people of God who live in the spirit. And the people of the world who live like animals, they are like, they're creatures of instinct and appetite. Um, and that's why they're, you know, the Daniel's vision, he had, it's of the four beasts, followed by the kingdom of the son of man, the antichrist is called the beast. Um, it's all about our animalistic nature versus our, our, our elevated, inherited divine nature. And so that's, that's the whole goal is, is we become more human, we become we evolve and and in so doing we are remade in the image of of christ um more human or less human i mean i get what you're saying and i'm i don't want to split hairs on that but you're saying become more human but we are all of those animalistic things by default yeah well i guess it depends on where you're starting from going back to the fall never mind i get i get get the idea of what the perfect version of humanity was supposed to have been as compared to what it has become exactly like as we are in in our fallen state we are not god's design for humanity we're animalistic i i I think i like using the word divine more right like because i think just for for general conversation purposes i get where you're going but when we say divine i think that usually gives the connotation of being holy or being like god right versus humans humans are earthly and worldly and broken and but I would to, to uh, the counterpoint to that would be that we we think of ourselves like humans typically think of ourselves as being rational, as being good, being. I, I don't. That's that's the, the average human might think that. Yeah, well, I, I tend to have a much more uh, low view of humanity. I, I, I agree. But that but people are offended by that because precisely because of the conceit of what a human is and they in believing themselves to be that. Mm -hmm. And so, but the, so the problem of the human condition, according to Christianity is uh, that, no, you're not, we're not, we're, we're animals. 
we're not supposed to be. We're we're not supposed to be. We're supposed yeah. to be above the animals, yeah. made in the image of God, but we're I, not. I, I run into this whenever I have conversations with folks about dogs, right? So for those that don't know, I, I'm a dog trainer in my part, quote unquote, free time. I've also got a nonprofit uh, service dog organization that my wife and I run. But uh, when I Link talk in the about description, yeah, absolutely. Thank, thanks, Brian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, when I when I use training theory conversations and I'm and I'm talking about a dog and how to train this dog and how to use you know uh, operant conditioning and uh, uh, classical conditioning and you know basic learning theory and all these things and I and I switch in and out of humans and dogs and people go well wait a minute we're talking about dogs not people and I'm like you think there's a difference like learning theory is consistent across organisms it's just a question of how much cognitive and spatial ability that the subject has relative to the trainer, right? Like that's all we're getting into is like who can outthink the other, but uh, you know, we we are clearly a part of the animal kingdom. Uh, there's no, there's no two ways about it, whether or not we're supposed to dwell in that is a different conversation. And that's a philosophical question, not a, not a scientific question. And this is something we, I think we ought to do a whole episode on just that. Um, I mean, it's funny how this keeps happening. Well, a really good follow-up to this would be to, to kind of talk about, um, I mean, the, the church is supposed to be the Christian life and the church as the, the purveyor of the Christian life. It's supposed to be empowering us to be more human. It's supposed to be, um, you know, for divine this, human, not beast human. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like in second Peter and I, I, I love this passage and it, there was a, at one point I had the whole thing memorized in Greek because it's like, I'm that into it. Um, so one, Brian needs a girlfriend for those that are interested <laughs> out there. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I just got gay over there. Greek. <laughs> wow. So second Peter one, Three, his divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by appetites. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence, knowledge, to knowledge, self-mastery, to self-mastery, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And each one of those terms in the Greek, it's got there like an entire sermon could be preached on what the, what it means. Mm-hmm. Like make every effort to add to your faith, excellence, some, some translated as goodness, some as virtue. The Greek is arete, which if you know anything about like classical Greek, uh pedagogic system um uh, like, yeah i know i know tons about that <laughs> yeah, well you probably know more i was than gonna say can. we probably need a whole episode on that because i mean I'm i can, a, just, I'm a, I can I'm run a, off on that for hours that's that's, that's my middle name pedagogue well, <laughs> the classical greek education for for boys and young men was the cultivation of this quality called arete and plato had this whole thing about uh, what arete is like the the arete the excellence of a horse is different than that of a man the excellence of a warrior is different than that of a scholar or a philosopher so on and so forth but like 
the picture you get from that is that the entire Christian life, this, this process, that this participation in the divine nature is this, pro this progressive process of cultivating these qualities that are consistent with his nature. And the church is supposed to empower us and equip us and mentor us in that, which, you know, the, which is totally foreign to our concept of the church, but that's, you know, let's put a pin in that for another day. Cause that's so, that's so, so Arate, I did a little quick, quick searching <clears throat> while you were talking. Basically it's, it's a word that means being the best version of yourself, whatever it is that you're good at, be the best at it, be the most virtuous, the most moralistic, the most X, Y, Z person possible. That's a good summary. Yeah. Um, that's what I do. I summarize with, within that's the my, context... that's my second middle name. Within the context of Christianity, within the context of Christianity and the church, um, I would say it's finding your spiritual gift, finding mm -hmm. how you can be of service yeah. within the body. Um, and then you add to that knowledge and then to that self-mastery so, and I'll, so on and so forth. So I'd actually like to do a little, let me, uh, we've never done this on this show. So let me, uh, what, what do we call this in the... Uh, in the uh, world, a little. Uh... Anyway, let me tell you a little story. So <laughs> my church, uh, and I've I've mentioned my church a couple of times. It, it's we've just changed names because we merged with two two churches have merged together. So the church is now called City Church. It's in Moore, Oklahoma. Link in the description. Um, and one of the things that we've always talked about is, you know, finding your God given talents and maximizing them, right? Because we all have a reason for existence. And I remember sitting down and talking to my pastor at a 4th of July picnic. And I was like, yeah, here's the thing. I'm not really a people person. And like the skills that I have, I'm not saying I'm Liam Neeson, but like I got a special set of skills and they're not really church related. So like, I don't know what to do for you. Right. And, uh, and he kind of laughed. And what I ended up settling on was helping with our production in, in our online services. Right. And it was something that I, it was, you know, it's kind of high stress because there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts and I dig stress and I kind of absorb it really well. Uh, but it's not a, you know, I'm not out talking to people. It's not touchy feely. I'm not having to like greet people. I'm not getting called to go talk to people in the hospital or, you know, gr with grieving people. I'm not the prayer team when people need to pray, they don't come talk to me because I don't belong there either. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it was kind of funny to me because I was thinking about it the other day. And, you know, uh, while what I do for the church isn't necessarily, you know, it's not even really all that noticed, but what I do is I put our message out on the internet for a lot of people to see. Right. So when I thought about it in those terms, I was like, well, that's kind of cool actually, because I'm helping get this you know, this message of a church that I believe in, a pastor that I believe in and getting out to more listeners, to more, to more viewership. Um, but then when this show started, I saw a really natural kind of connection between the two, right? A lot of my drive or interest in setting up this podcast was driven by my, well, look, I could put a church service on the internet. How hard could it be to put a podcast on the internet? Right. And so it was, it was almost like the two were linked that, uh, I don't know exactly what my skill is or what my gift is in putting this thing online, but uh, if nothing else, it was causing this conversation to happen online. 
right? So yeah, and I don't know. I wouldn't undersell that. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm really not trying to undersell it. I'm, I'm just kind of saying it was kind of neat. It was more of me just doing something because it felt like the right thing to do. And it's turned into goodness, right? Like it's turned into, well, I shouldn't say goodness in the sense of, I'm not trying to pr pretend that this podcast is like divinely inspired, although I do personally think it is. Um, <laughs> I'm having I think a good time. The, I, I think, well, I think the idea of, and we've, we've talked about this three of us just offline, right. But like the idea of just getting people to think and getting people to listen. Right. So uh, quick and quick, quick story, Brian, my brother, John, uh, calls me the other day and I'm driving, he's driving and he's like, Hey, so I was listening to your show the other day and he goes, not for nothing, but it caused me to go off into a tangent. And he goes, what in the hell's going on in Matthew 27? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, there's zombies. He goes, so Jesus died on the cross and then zombies came out of the ground and started running around in town. They're not it zombies, was, but well, uh, it was Michael Jackson thriller. Going first of on. all, he was... that's literally what it says. <laughs> that dead, dead saints rose and went into town well, and were noticed. Right. But, but put a pin in it. I don't, we don't need to, we don't need to break down the verse, but my point is simply that it caused him to go and look and he was, you know, searching yeah. and he was looking and he started hitting new things that he had never seen before. And I think that's like a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, irrespective of the how, right. It's the, it's the what, and, and that's, 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 you know, that's why the clothes that I've been putting on the end of our shows is just that it's like, I hope you take something away and go think about something, right. Even if it's not even what we're talking about, even if the only reason you open your Bible is to prove everything that I say wrong. Cool. You opened your Bible. Right. It's like, I, like, I feel like Jack Sparrow from, uh, from, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, you guys are the worst evangelicals I've ever heard of, but you've heard of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and you know, to, to your, to your spiritual gifts, um, I'll be honest when you guys were talking about, Hey, we need to set this up on social media and, and, uh, somebody do that. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I don't know. I don't know why it's just like, it, it just, it just seems like it's just not my thing. It's just not something I want to do. And I, it, I, just I, feel I totally resistance to doing it. And I can't say why uh, Brian, I'm I think you and I do that. I think you and I are real similar <clears throat> in that I've never been a look at me kind of guy. I've always been a look. I just do my thing, and you can. Hey, what are you clowns implying? I, I implied nothing. <laughs> what, do you, hey, what are you implying? Hey, hey, if uh, if the if the single if the single glove with glitter fits, Dre, wear it. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think I think I think he's saying that you you got the uh, in in our little surrogate family here, you you got all the charisma in the family. Hey, hey, um, whoa, 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 whoa! I got plenty of charisma. It's, it's just, just it's not, just, it's just it's not just directed. pointed differently. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. My, my, my focus is very, is my beam is different than, than, than Dre's, but I'm a front man. I can't, I can't play guitar. <laughs> and, uh, and, I can lay uh, down those nasty solos. And for the, for the kids at home who are just listening and can't see us, I got all the looks. He does. Absolutely. When y'all see the videos, <laughs> yeah. which you will see soon, right, you'll, you'll know that you'll, to be true. Thanks for playing along guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's classical. I mean, he's white, so of course. Um, I'd get racist with it. Whatever. Just... All right. Well, I as long <laughs> I I didn't go there. I'm just gonna. Uh... Oh, I went there, yeah. and I'll go there again. I, I feel like yeah. I, I I'm asking myself the question: What would Crowley do? <laughs> so, he'd so what poop, is he? He'd poop in it on the rug and throw it at you. 
where where's 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 Crowley today? Uh he's him, dead, him but dead. he's he's gonna be roasting. I know he's dead. Well I, whoa, I thought there was no lake of fire. Um I didn't who said who said that? You did. I didn't say there's no lake of fire. I said it's it's a it's it's a it's debatable if it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for something. I mean, it doesn't mean there's no lake of fire. It just means that the the outcome isn't exactly literally a lake of fire. What what do we see today well, that 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 goes that, that harkens back to my to to Crowley? Well, I'm and, glad and keep you in mind we're that. keep in mind we're American, right? And that dude was British. Well, so we're we're a little th- different. This actually follows right after the point I was making about how Christianity is about teaching us to cultivate these qualities that make us more human in the sense of God's design, more more human in the original divine divine sense. Um, it's about overcoming our animal nature. Um, Crowley and particularly the the influence of the the spiritual forces of darkness that always have influence when humans seek this secret knowledge from angels, um, it always leads to sexual perversion as a supposed means of liberation. Like you, and you see this with D and Kelly and the, uh, in the 16th century, like they're, they're getting these, these visions from angels, giving them their, their Enochian magic near the end of it. Um, they told uh they they demanded that Crowley and uh I mean not Crowley D and Kelly swap wives and this is going to be uh this is going to show their solidarity um their singularity of purpose for the for the 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 messianic work before them um and they wound up doing it and it and it went bad for them it just it it didn't it didn't go well but wait why um, why swapping doesn't end well <laughs> that's the that seems to be the the, hmm. the 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 lesson of history yeah who, who would have thought it yeah well actually d and kelly thought that they were both like no we don't want to do this um but then they wound up doing it because they um well i think the ladies wanted to do it and they just said <laughs> yes um well not according to the record, but uh well, I mean, come on, it's it's you know the medieval period, women didn't really get to put their shit in the record. It's fine. And you know, and you know, Kelly and Dee didn't want to seem like they were total cucks. So so this when it well, well, I mean, we were told to do it by, you know, deities. And we and we chose, we picked. Yeah. Even though they were they were getting sodomized by their wives, whatever. <laughs> they had to keep that ego down. I That's right. They, uh, <laughs> you got to keep you got to keep that I, ego in check. I 100% believe that they were and, and until I'm proven wrong one day. Okay. So, so Crowley really developed this idea of sexual perversion. Of course he didn't say perversion, but liberation from sexual repression as a as a way to enlightenment. Which kind of echoes the uh, you know, what the second Peter where he talks about the false teachers who who promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of depravity. Um, this idea of, you know, uh, like I said, you don't really need a, like a religious or a demonic explanation for why people give in to their base urges. 
but this idea of giving into them as a means to enlightenment, that's a pretty unique thing, especially like in Victorian England, which is where Crowley came from. But or a means to power or a means to uh, uh, attract. I mean, if he, so if you heard about Jack Parsons, mm-hmm. the uh, the Crowley out here in America in the in the thirties and forties. Yeah, he was. Uh, he interestingly, Parsons and Elrond. I don't want to steal your thunder. You're probably going to talk about this. Go ahead. Well, so, so I mean, dude was born in like 1914 to yeah. like affluent parents in in the Southern California area. So, and he was like crazy smart, but didn't want to listen to his parents. Around middle school, my man, no shit, made a deal with the devil. So I don't know if he went to went to God first. And like, hey, I want to go to the moon because you know in the nineteen twenties, going talk about going to the moon is the same thing as talking to like angels and demons. You're you're out of your mind. That's not that's not going to happen. Yeah. And since this guy was such a a fantasy fan and a and a fan of like uh, uh, science fiction, he really wanted to go to the moon. I mean, he couldn't even get his name straight right. He was Did born science, Marvel. Science fiction existed in the 1910, 1920s? Okay. It's a genuine question. I don't. I didn't. I yeah. thought science fiction came about in like the forties. Um, I mean, M- Marvel Whiteside Parsons. He he did, but then his his dad left, and his mom's like, I don't like that name Marvel because he was named after your dad. So I'm gonna go ahead and call you John. He's like, John's cool, but I don't want to be called John. I'm gonna be called Jack. So John Jack Marvel Parsons. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yeah, he he went to say and he said, listen, <laughs> if you if you can if you can some i will sell my soul to you if you give me the ability to get to the moon so then the dude became obsessed with with like rocketry so by the time he got into high school he went to like a military academy where he blew up the toilet and 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 not in a, in a metaphorical sense he literally <laughs> blew up the toilet <laughs> that taco just, bell back then yeah he, he he it wasn't like ah man you can't handle military food so you got to leave no he got kicked out because he he put explosives in the toilet and and blew that thing up and they had no money because the in 1929 of course we had the big the great depression well, so the family lo- blown up a toilet though the, the 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 uh the family lost their fortune but my man was still smart and he had to drop out of school and he really wanted to go to Caltech because at the time the Caltech in, uh, in in Los Angeles was the big rocket, you know, uh, the, the lab. Right. Mm-hmm. And he knew a couple of dudes that went to that school. So he just hung out with them and just blew shit up out in, out in other places out by lakes. So much so that he, he garnered the attention of, of, uh, of the government. The government's like, I noticed you blow up a lot of shit. How are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so much so, he blew that stuff up so often, and the government gave a dime to it, and actually formed NASA later. <clears throat> I mean, dude was making collect calls to but like Werner von Braun. So, in all seriousness, though, like, so here's a this is a funny here's a funny thought experiment, right? So, for all intents and purposes, self admitted, this guy sold his soul to the devil, whatever that yes. means, for these this knowledge. And mm-hmm. he was he was the the essentially the founder of the jet the, the, the jet propulsion lab, the JPL, yes. which oh. still exists. He was a, yes, he was a founder. But but a founder. But sure. Yeah, yeah, that, so with yeah, no formal wanna, training. No formal training. No, that's fine. But but right. my my point is like 
in in this culture today, how we cancel things because of its ties to racism and and Nazism, like NASA is of the devil. Like you could make that that leap just as easily, dude. This this sounds right? I don't not to nerd out, but Captain America, um, Winter Soldier, where it turns out that like Shield is made oh, up of spoilers. Of Spoilers. Yeah, sorry everybody. Spoiler alert for a cap for, uh, for this like fifteen year old movie. But uh, but that like this idea of uh, you know this in the in the in the movie it's American, but in the comics it's basically NATO. But this American uh, military intelligence apparatus being made up of America's enemies—that's one hundred percent legit like historically accurate for a lot of American, a lot of American institutions, including NASA, like without, without Nazi rocket scientists, there's no NASA. There's no right. NASA. Right. Uh, but, right. But also without the devil, apparently. Well, yeah, and, apparently. And, and Jack Parsons actually created like a little canisters that had jet propulsion in them before we had jets. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he sold it. He, he sold invented, he invented <laughs> solid state fuel. Mm-hmm. right with with just a couple bros from caltech blowing shit That's up so crazy yeah. so so i have a i have a funny quick story about solid fuel cores as strange as that is as a as a segue so i i, I do have a point that relates to i like, gotta tell the story let me tell the like, story real fast like it's six we're gonna anecdotes get there. ago yeah but we're gonna, we're gonna I, get there i, 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 I gotta tell wanna, the... i just want to put my bid in and just let you guys know it's, it's coming <laughs> so I, i'm in i'm in vandenberg air force base so anybody that knows anything about rockets, right? Like that's where we put Titans into space from is from Vandenberg Air Force Base. It's in the central coast of California. And uh, I think they were building, they're still building Titan twos there. But anyway, it's where we launch a lot of stuff from or build it anyway, if not launch it. But it's it's one of the secondary sites for the West Coast also. Um, and I can't find the right color hue there. Um, so when you go in these different buildings, you know, typical government facility, they give you safety briefs everywhere, right? So you have to have all these clearances and you go in these buildings, they give you safety briefs. Well, I'm in this building and they're like, all right, look, here's your safety brief. This is building whatever the number is. We build, we actually do the final assembly of the solid fuel cores. And the guy just sits and looks at me and I'm like, okay. He goes, we have an alarm system. If you hear an alarm with three beeps, that means there's a perimeter fence breach. It happens because people are always trying to either protest or break in. And, you know, the, the hippies hate, hate us. They hate us because they ain't us or whatever, right? But like they're always having security problems. I'm sure some of it is, you know, third world, co- or, or, you know, ex- external countries, advanced persistent threats and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he gets down to if you hear one continuous horn, that is the fire alarm. In the case of a fire, find the nearest exit, pick a straight line, and run as fast as you can. <laughs> None of this, like, in he, he orderly like, fashion. He was don't like, "Don't panic." He's like, "No, panic like a motherfucker. Get the get out." <laughs> and I was in my I was in my mid twenties at the time, like late late twenties. Like I wouldn't fire the Marine Corps at this point. And I looked at him and I said, "You're serious, right?" And he goes, "Yeah. We're, again, we make solid fuel cords." I said, "How many people do you think are going to make it out of this building?" And he kind of looks at me and he goes, you might make it because <laughs> everybody else was a lot older and heavier. He goes, you got a shot. He goes, most of them in here don't. <laughs> yeah. 
if you're aggressive and you're not afraid to knock people down, oh, I was getting out. You might, you might have a chance. I, I was gonna, I was gonna channel my inner uh, ludicrous. Well, you know, I mean, it's, throw, uh, throw them bows. It's it's the book of the law. It's your will, right? Your will says yeah, you gotta get out of there. It was just the funniest, one of the funniest things I've ever had happen. He just, you know, it, it, pick a straight line and run as fast as you can. I was like, that's a hell of a safety brief. My my my, my man Parsons got uh, got a made a fortune off selling these canisters. So then he he bought this mansion with eleven rooms in it called the the Parsonage. And at this time, he married a chick named Helen, and she and him kind of went to one of these OTOs that was kind of started by Crowley. And he got kind of got into Crowley, started writing him letters, even saying things like, "Hey, you're my my dear beloved father, signed your son." Right. So he was he was like Crowley's my guy. I'm 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 all in on feeling. In fact, this place that we have here is super shitty, and I want to move this operation to my eleven room house that I named the Parsonage. <laughs> he calls this thing the Parsonage, and starts bringing people over to have a bunch of sex orgies. One of the women is his wife's little sister, who's probably about sixteen years old, and decides I'm going to get with her. So his wife promptly leaves him. I think she was for... fifteen, actually. Sure, I mean, underage is what she was. I I, <laughs> and, uh, I remember that distinctly. She was she she was well underage. Betty, Betty, not Susie, even driving yet. Betty, yeah. Uh, he actually put a he put an ad out to rent rooms, and uh, <clears> I think <throat> the ad says something about hey, only Bohemians, actors, anarchists, communists, um. Uh, no mundane people, no mundane allowed. You have to be out there if you want to. You, you got to be if you rent. You, 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 it's a must. And uh, of the by the way, that... footnote: Betty was his scarlet woman. Really? What is the that? Babylon to his beast? No, no, no. That wasn't Betty. Wasn't it Betty? That. No. Oh, I'll let you go. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> let you tell the story. Sorry. And, uh, um. <clears throat> Where'd she go? What's her name? Anyway, uh, people that rented rooms, one guy by the name of Fred Gwynn. And for anybody who's older listening, they know that Fred Gwynn is also Herman Munster. And he also, uh, two youths, the, uh, the judge on my cousin Vinny. <laughs> and, uh, he, he Excuse was, me, he what was, is a ute? <laughs> yeah. He, son, are, are you on drugs? <laughs> And Parsons like, yeah, I'm on lots of drugs, <laughs> always. <laughs> and uh, and another guy was uh, on leave in the Navy by the name of L. Ron Hubbard. Yes, you him. heard that right. L. Ron Hubbard rented a room there, and uh, and they decided that they were going to go bring on Babylon, the the whore of Babylon, and and bring bring her about. So they started. They were going to do these rituals, and Crowley actually told them no. Like, can, hey, Jack, can I insert some background here? Yeah, of course. It will make it more meaningful. Crowley's whole thing was he believed he was going to bring about the Aeon of Horus. His, his view of history that was given to him by, according to him, by his, his holy guardian angel, Awas, and during his visions in Egypt was... Uh, the the early the most primitive stage of religion was the aeon of of isis which was matriarchal they worshiped goddesses and you find this in like uh like the oldest 
artifacts we have are these from like 20,000 years ago. There are these little, these little fat uh, goddess idols that indicated they worship, they, they worshiped women. They, they worshiped a mother goddess. The next stage that were thick. The, yeah, they were fat. They were like, they say, saw I said thick two C's thick. My, my bad. I didn't Lizzo is beautiful. Um, <laughs> Brian calls that fat. Um, Actually, there's a woman that lives with me that calls that fat as well. So, so, so there's this the next. Go ahead. We gotta we gotta have some structure here, man. So we let you next, talk for like 45 minutes without interrupting I, I, you. But it was. Uh, and this is the things we get. This is my interruption. <laughs> I know this guy. This is my interruption to Dre. And this I'm trying to make. It, I'm trying to make it brief, though. I want to just keep the interruptions to a minimum. Um, so the second age was the is the age of Osiris which is patriarchal, which is characterized by the Abrahamic God. And the, and the age of Horus is the what he calls the age of the, the crowned and conquering child, um, whereas patriarchal Abrahamic religion is overthrown, Christianity is bad, sexual repression is bad. And the way to do this, and he had, he had this whole series of visions based on D and Kelly's Enochian magic. D and Kelly had these series of rituals called the 30 Aethers that Crowley adapted. And he, he detailed these visions he had in the desert um, in New Me in Mexico. And then uh, I forget the setting for the, the second series of vision. It doesn't matter. He had these, these 30 visions corresponding with the 30 Aethers which were these rituals he performed in which Babylon spelled B-A-B-A-L-O-N. Um, the, the scarlet woman, the, this, this goddess of adultery and depravity and debauchery, um, she's going to birth Horus, the, uh, the Messiah of the new Aeon, the crowned and conquering child. And it's in this age will be, characterized by uh every individual exerting their true will casting off all sexual repression um this this mentality of the world conforming to you instead of the other way around which is the antithesis of all ancient religion in its basic premise um and so when we talk about uh you know how jack parsons and l ron hubbard were they were trying to conjure people. babylon they want they yeah. wanted to bring her bring her into existence by doing these rituals out there and near um it was it was a lake somewhere in los angeles that was dammed up so they found a like clearing they also blew stuff up there and then they did these they did these rituals to bring on babylon after after they do these rituals elrond was like hey i um I have a business proposal for you and I need an investor. I've got a little bit of money. I just need about 20 K from you, which was, you know, pretty close to 400 grand in today's time. And because what I want to do is I'm going to, I want to go to Florida and I'm going to buy up sailboats like schooners. And then I'll sell them through the Panama canal and I'll bring them up the coast of California and we'll sell them together and we'll make all kinds of money. So Pars is like, yeah, it's great. You're my friend. We're bringing on Babylon. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. So he gives him 20K and then he leaves with young Betty. Shit, I got a contract, Jack. Yeah. And and he's gone. And he goes to Florida not to return. 
once Jack kind of figures out that he's been conned by L. Ron Hubbard, he goes out to Florida and says, I'm going to sue you for all my money back, which at which Betty says, wait, you're not going to sue wait me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you telling us right now that the founder of Scientology was not an honest man? <laughs> I'm what 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 I'm saying is is that maybe he really thought there was an investment and he had more work to do before before he did this and and perhaps Jack Parsons accidentally funded the beginning of of Scientology right. because through this boat business uh Elron my man Mr. Hubbard he made a lot of money and uh he was able to write his Dianetics to which he you know sold a lot and then created this uh this religion but uh Parsons actually went out there and confronted them and and Betty said, "You're not gonna you're not gonna sue me because if you do that, I'm gonna tell everyone that you had sex with me when I was underage." And he says, "Okay, I'm not gonna sue you. But <laughs> you are gonna sue." But the problem is, when he showed up, he couldn't find them naturally. And somebody at the at the at the dock or the pier said that, "Yeah, he, Elron and Betty, they're out they're out out yonder." So my man, as the story goes, stood on the pier chanted a few words and actually created a storm to make Elrond crash and had to come back. He's like, Hey, I made you crash. Cause I, you know, summoned whatever, whatever. I mean, don't you remember? I sold my soul to the devil back when I was 12. Like, bro, can't, can't mess with me. <laughs> you forgot I'm connected. So what, what's funny is that Elrond actually went back with Parsons. I think that's when they did not before, but I think that's when they actually went out to the little area and, and, uh, and summoned and summoned uh, uh, Babylon. So this yeah. girl Mar Marjorie Cameron comes along, and she's an actress. That's right. Former, that's right. former I Navy. Bet. You're, Navy you're correct. That was the and, uh, woman. And she had red hair and deep blue eyes. And they met at the parsonage through some friends, and then they spent two weeks in Jack's room doing nothing, nothing but the but the lovemaking, the sex part of our drug, sex, and magic, because he believed that that's who he summoned. And she just went with it, like, yeah, for sure. So she was going to birth the Antichrist through Jack Parsons, and she honestly believed this was was going to happen. And she she made a few films, a short film, a couple of movies in Hollywood. She acted with, I think, Dennis Hopper. Um, she has she has an art gallery in in Los Angeles still today. Um, she's dead, but um, yeah, she, her own poetry and and like her own things about her uh, her husband Jack. By the way, through through all of crazy. this, they're sending checks to England to Crowley. Yes, and then they had a falling out because he he actually Jack Parsons believed that Crowley was too hierarchical. Hierarchical, basically, like, hey, uh, that's not Will, that's to you. Which is why when he when he when he dabbled into communism, he's like, uh, actually, that's. That's not communism. That's totalitarianism. So, nope, I'm not about you either. Because he worked for the government, he got he got spied on a lot by the FBI and got questioned about his about his his red stuff, especially in the in the 40s and then in the early 50s before before he died. When they back up really quick, and when he was 24 years old, he was a key witness in a corrupt police officer case in uh, in Los Angeles, and this cop basically got accused of blowing somebody up in a car. And they didn't have anybody who was a was a expert bomb witness. So they went to the the dude that blew up toilets and they asked him. <laughs> they said, "Hey, hey, uh, you think you would have done this?" And my man's like, "Yeah, if he did, because this is how I would do it." <laughs> and they're like, "Yep, key witness, you're going up the river." 
Well, there wasn't a lot of sex magic stuff and not a lot of uh, movie pyrotechnics at that time. So he did little stuff on the side, ended up working like in a gas station overnight. And uh, and allegedly, while he was doing some kind of project, he dropped one of his canisters and he blew himself up. And, you know, plenty of people, there's, there's a long line that forms to the left on people that want Jack Parsons dead. Maybe even the devil. <laughs> and uh, and now now he's gone. But he he was into Kinsey. He thought that Kinsey was well, spot was spot not, on. Let's not get ahead of ourselves on Kinsey though. Jack yeah. Parsons. Okay. Jack yeah, Parsons we... last words. Do you know what they were? I'm not done. Yeah. That's what Which, he said when he blew yeah. himself yes. up. He said, no, I was, I'm not he, done. He yet. didn't die when he was blown up. Oh. But then when when oh, he was that, like, <laughs> that makes more sense. I was like, that's a weird thing to say before you blow. Oh, he's, hey, dude, he survived for a little I'm not bit. Done. He, yeah, yeah, he survived. And he's like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done. Oh. Which is kind of the, uh, the inverse of Christ's words on the cross. It is okay. finished. Okay. I mean, in Gandhi's last words were my God. Well, but the point <laughs> is like the reason that's a little interesting is not a lot. Sam Cook's last words were lady, you shot me. <laughs> well jack parsons he was trying to bring about the antichrist yes and he hadn't pulled it off yet and his last words were the inverse of christ's last yeah. words on the cross it, you know it's yeah. it's it's worth noting was he planning so, those to be his last words i don't know but that's those were his reported last so words nasa jet fuel rocketry uh scientology of the devil that's that's a lot the monsters the monsters <laughs> my cousin Vinny. <laughs> yeah damn it <laughs> and so son of a bitch posi track like a, a lot of thelemites will object to thelemites. crowley being called a devil worshiper I, and, might... and that's fine because parsons didn't necessarily uh worship the devil more than he he just said made, hey, it, made a made, business made, transaction. He made, he made a transaction, and and well, then he became rich and squandered it all on on drugs and magic and sex. Well, Crowley, well, in Scientology, in a, believed in. He a didn't story. really squander it. I mean, he got he got he got he got uh, he got uh, what sort I'm looking for? Cocked, uh, duped, ripped duped, off, I, scammed, I was, yeah, horn swoggled, horn swoggled. Door. Yeah, he got he got the, he got scammed. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Maybe the new conspiracy is L. Ron Hubbard killed him. That's what. So Crowley believed. Hopefully, in a... Tom Cruise doesn't come and kick my ass. That's what. He's only this tall. I mean, have you seen his movies? I have. Yeah. And he sold his soul to the devil clearly. Because I mean, he might have. He might have. You know what I'm saying? You know, he got he got a lot for it though. I mean, he did. He makes good movies. As 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 Devil Deals go, Tom Cruise seems to have done better than most. I hope he, he, I hope he gets it back. I hope it's just like in Hawk and he can like get it out. I like it's Tom in Cruise. Hawk. The Devil runs Hawk. a pawn shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a ticket. You're like, hey, want my soul? Oh, I, I made all this money for you, dog. Just just hook me back up with my soul. But but you know what's what's really a, a, a common thread with these with these clowns. Is that look at all these things that Jack Parsons is tied to, and he actually gets no credit for any of it, and he died a major loser. The dude's a loser. Like, I mean, I mean, he he did all this stuff. It makes he you wonder, like, was, was was Nikolai Tesla in the same in the same world? 
I mean, similar ending, right? For for somebody who was like essentially an alien. I think Tesla was from the future and we're just trying to get back. I mean, that's entirely possible. But um, um so Crowley worshipped uh he he claimed that there was a, a sort of trinity of gods that he worshipped. Um mm, knew it sounds familiar. Knew it, who is uh infinite space uh had it who is an infinite an infinitesimal point and connor hewitt or something or something like that who he who is the the amalgamation of the two who he identified with the egyptian god set uh horus and satan and this and this this was the the crowned and conquering child of his new aeon. So Crowley was in fact a devil worshiper, according oh, to sure. Crowley. For sure. Um, he just, he just kind of rearranged the the cosmology and the narrative around it to cast Jesus as the villain. But um, yeah. So my point about how Christianity is supposed to be about uh, mentoring you in participation in the divine nature and becoming fully human and taking command of your app, your appetites and instincts and subjugating them to your reason and your, uh, your, 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 your own will in service to God. Um, it's supposed to empower you. It's supposed to, to raise you above your animal nature. Crowley's whole thing was giving into it is making that is you know your sexual impulse is is absolute as part of your true will um you 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 become your you serve your true will you become your true self by you know by becoming liberated from sexual repression uh kenneth anger was is it was a filmmaker in the early 20th century who was a a, a, a self-avowed Satanist and follower of Aleister Crowley. Um, he was close friends with a certain, you know, the particular guy by the name of Alfred Kinsey. Alfred Kinsey, of course, being the father of the sexual revolution. Um, published a bunch of quote unquote scientific studies about human sexual proclivities sexual practices he uh paid a bunch of pedophiles for their notes on uh their uh misadventures with children um it's debatable whether crowl whether kinsey got his ideas from crowley or whether he was just an admirer of crowley because he arrived at the same ideas independently he you know Kinsey hasn't told us how what his thought processes were, but it's a fact that Kinsey and Kenneth Anger were very close. There, there are there are photographs of Kinsey and Kenneth Anger visiting the uh, um, the Abbey the Abbey of Thelema, which was a villa in uh, in Italy that Crowley had owned, and uh, basically it was the it was his cult compound. Um, did a bunch of his rituals. He had a bunch of disciples there. There's still uh, 
paintings on the walls that he uh, that he did he had this room that was just that was his uh it was like a room full of horrors and people were supposed to paint their worst nightmares on it it was, a, it was supposed to be a way of conquering fear but um it's reportedly haunted but there are pictures of uh kinsey and anger in the abbey of thelema um getting their picture taken with a portrait of crowley um so Crowley's ideas are, 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 they're pretty, they're quite influential on Kinsey. Um, Kinsey, and of course, Kinsey is hugely influential on our, on our current culture. I mean, all, all of our ideas, you know, the, the LGBTQ ideology about uh, gender, gender, right. gender like, identity. Yeah. Like a lot of the, a lot of Crowley's ideas like if, if you're influenced by LGBTQ ideology and you go back and read Crowley's ideas, they, they're, they're, you barely notice them because they're so boring against the backdrop of our current culture. We don't, we, we, we kind of fail to realize how, how starkly they contrast against anything that came before. Who was, who was the other guy with Kinsey? Um, the John money money. Yeah. I don't, I haven't been able to find a connection between money and Crowley. Well, I mean, it's through de- Kinsey. Yeah. There are definitely connections from Kinsey to money. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon kind of thing. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's essentially this game that we can play with, with, with evil and immorality is it feels like, I mean, based on what we just talked about tonight, six degrees could get you directly to the nephilim right (laughs) you can go from you can go from like fallen angels to and it really is gender ideology it really is pretty remarkable how directly all this connects back to genesis 6 and and 11 like like i said the whole thing it's like it's like an m it's like an m night Shyamalan movie where it it, it really is like it's it's actually kind of wild and and it one step back from you're you're saying genesis 6 but i'm saying genesis like 1 2 right? Like the fall because six doesn't happen without the fall. True. Yeah. And like I, and like I talked about before, a lot of Crowley's ideas and new age ideas and occult ideas, it's it, once you, once you peel back all the, all the, frankly, all the bullshit and that's really, Mm -hmm. it's just so much nonsense and misdirection and hand-waving and and ritualistic uh but, but, but to me it goes, it goes beyond any kind of it, worship right it, it turns into like the worship of the self where everybody is yeah. so self-centered in every single thing that we do right i mean no fault divorce mm-hmm. i mean how many how many how many you hear you hear somebody talk about like why are you divorced well because you know he wasn't fulfilling me mm-hmm or she wasn't fulfilling me. So mm-hmm. I decided I'm out. I was going to step out or whatever. Right. It's I'm, always, you know, I'm, it, I'm, it I'm always done, goes right? back to lack of lack of, of, of ownership. Right. And even, even we have this, this whole thing of, of self-love that's been highly promoted and the things of, you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. So I have to go on my love myself journey. So I got to cut everybody out of my, out of my life, even my family, my, my spouse, my children, Things, things of that, which is so crazy because if you think about, if you think about when Christ gave us, you know, the, you know, you know, rabbi teacher, what's, what's the most important lesson, right? Your most important commandment. And he said to, to love God above all others and then 
just as important as that one is to love your, your, your brothers and your neighbors as you mm-hmm. love yourself. As like, you love like, I mean, it was pretty obvious that we're designed to be selfish back to that point of what we've talking about, like circle this all the way back around, right? Like our natural animalistic instinct is to is self-preservation and self-realization. So I mentioned again, I'm a behaviorist, I'm a dog trainer, right? Like this is, this is, this is uh, Maslow 101. Right. Like for those that don't know the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and whether you pronounce it Maslow or Maslow, I don't really care. Like come at me in the comments. Abraham. Abraham, right. Is it Abraham or Abraham? Whatever. But, but Maslow's hierarchy (laughs) is is all about self-actualization. And for those that don't understand it, it's basically at the tip of the pyramid is survival. So it's like, you know, you, you need shelter, you need food, you need water, you need safety, you need uh, sexual uh, reproduction. And it just, it's kind of up and down. If you just think about like just core animalistic needs, that's that's innate in every animal, every organism, even at some level, right? Like we could talk about COVID and, and uh, bacteria and, and viruses, right? Viruses have a need to survive and to propagate. So it, it's it's not cancer, even right, yeah. right. It's not even it's not even you don't even think about it. It's subconscious. The, the the desire to survive and to take care of oneself is natural. So this idea that we need to go out and do this actively is insanity. Like what we need to do is right. think about other people and take ownership and own our own bullshit, and 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 stop looking outward and look inward. It's like a we we were doing some training way before we went into into Iraq, and. um and he's like, well, we have to train this way because we're going to Iraq and, and we're not going to have those kind of days. And I'm like, bro, you can fall in on suck. That's that's easy to do. What mm-hmm. we need to do is chill before we go out there and go right. do that stuff, because that's that's going to be a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Having shitty days working. So 12, I don't 12 yeah. hour, 12 hours, I don't, six, seven I don't need days to work up. I don't need to work up to have shitty days. Right. That's an easy thing to just go. It's just going to it's just going to be right Yeah. Yeah, and it's I'm the same you. thing with like your your self preservation and your self love. Like that's that's mm-hmm. it's fucking natural. That's what that's yeah. what you do. That's how you came into the world, right? Yeah. You babies, cried coming out. Ba- babies, you know? babies are master manipulators. Everything that a baby and a toddler does is to manipulate adults such that that baby survives. Like and it's not a yes. negative thing. I don't. I'm not saying right. this to say don't feed your baby. Whatever. I'm saying like their only ability to communicate is by crying, and they learn really quick how to modulate that cry to get what they need when they need it so that they can survive and live to grow up so that they can then speak language. And then, you know, they can, they can go on to become, you know, to reach that arete of whatever they're going to be. Right. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that that's not something that's just hardwired into us as human beings or as animals, as, as organisms. Me, me, he didn't respect me. She didn't say the right thing. She didn't call me how I present myself. You know, me, 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 and you're going to, and I'm going to let you know what you call me. It doesn't matter what you see. It matters what I tell you I am. Right. And that's, that's who I am. That's what I am. That's my, it's my, it's my personal truth. How how dare you? How how dare you? There's a paradox here that's worth pointing out though. Um, Like Crowley's thing is the, is the true will. His, Right. Tenet, one of the tenets of Thelema is that every person is a star, like everybody is on their own trajectory and their the purpose is to c- 
cut out any other influence that influence that interferes with that trajectory. Um, but at the same time, the the outcome of all of his his magic, his consciousness uh, alteration is the destruction of the ego, is the 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 abolition of individual identity. Matt's laughing right now. Well, well I'm laughing because of how Crowley went about reducing his ego. That's what made yeah. me laugh. <laughs> yeah, most of this Strap it is, on, baby. Most of this is from uh, you know people traveling to the Far East and getting all of these all of these mat these occult secrets from uh from gurus and tibetan masters which is basically from sherpas yeah and like a lot of this knowledge that we take for granted today because we have wikipedia they had to physically travel to tibet and india to get this stuff so it wasn't as well known it wasn't as thoroughly analyzed as we have the benefit of doing now but he's got these two extremes that he that he teaches simultaneously between the true will and and the you know the the self-actualization and the abolition of ego right which are which are which are opposite um and and i think i think a lot of the the confusion that 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 makes occultism so attractive is because christians christians are confused about this too um I don't think this whole, like the idea of you have to love yourself before you can love other people. I don't, I don't think that's so crazy. I, I actually think that's the basis of, of Christian morality. Um, you, it, it, you, you, it's, it's, it gets into like when you fly and when the masks fall and they say, put your own mask on first. So yeah, you have to be there, right? You have to be existent. You have to be stable, but that's not, I mean, the idea of loving yourself doesn't mean like exalt yourself and put yourself out in front of everybody. No, it just, I, it just I, means I agree. take care of yourself. There's well, a difference. And I think there that's is part difference. of right. that's that's the problem. Say. Let, let, me, let me explain what I mean here. Um, yeah. I, I am a, I subscribe to the philosophy of Ayn Rand and her objectivism. Um, yeah. I'm also a devout Christian. Mm-hmm. Those sound that sounds like a contradiction to most people, because Ayn Rand hated Christianity. Um, but I think she was not. I I don't I don't I I hate I hate qualifying my remarks like that. It's a it's a it's a uh, it's a then stop and get to the point. Well, it's a it's a it's a tick that everybody t- kind of has, but um, I don't think I will. She was responding to a, a misunderstanding of Christianity, a common misunderstanding. And C.S. Lewis kind of talks about this, about how uh, we think of Christian morality, we think of good and evil in terms of being selfless versus selfish. Um, no, it, Christian morality is about love. Love is fundamentally rooted in the self it's what you love it's what you value um there is a kind of the inverse of the paradox i I pointed out with crowley um you do have to it does begin with the self in the book in the epistle to the hebrews when it talks about when uh, jesus went to the cross it says that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross 
Like he, he didn't sacrifice was not an end in itself. He sacrificed for, to get something in return that he valued more than what he sacrificed. Mm -hmm. That's what all sacrifices. That's what all Mm -hmm. love is. Um, If there wasn't, it would be nihilistic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the point. Um, We often talk about, you know, good and evil in terms of, of selfishness versus selflessness as if, negating the self is an end in itself when that's not the case you no, you that is that is the reward it's like it's like being a parent you sacrifice lots of stuff you sacrifice your time you sacrifice your money you sacrifice emotional stability oftentimes but the reward in the back end is your child doing something or it, it, it's a payoff it's a payoff at the end and, and ultimately that really is for me but i did all these things for them so that they paid me off well, later. So it's, yeah, it, it, we, yeah. we, we, we've had the conversation in here before about, you know, is there such a thing as being genuinely altruistic? And I don't think there is for yeah, humans, I, right? Because I, everything I we're doing is a trade. We're, we're, we're knowingly and unknowingly making trades on everything that we do, you know? And, and at yeah. the end of the day, even Christians are doing all of those good things because they feel like it's the right thing to do, right? Like there's an argument that if, you know, if you're being moved and you're well, being guided, you gotta define that. it's not a decision, right? But, but at the end, of, at the end of the day, I mean, you think about like, like, you know, martyrs, you know, a martyr didn't decide, wait, he didn't wake up one day and go, it's a good day to die. I think I'm going to go see if I can get my head chopped off today. Like that wasn't their plan when they woke up, right? It was just, they couldn't, they, they had to, you know, have that resolute, you know, uh, decision to dig their heels and say, I'm not going to recant this, or I'm not going to say the things you want me to say, or not say the things you don't want me to say. And they said, well, if you do do or don't, we're going to kill you. And they were like, I mean, that's what it has to be. Cause I got to do what I got to do. But it wasn't like any of the martyrs just decided to go get martyred. Like that's, that's insanity. <laughs> Yeah, except for those uh, ones that stay at work until like nine o'clock well, at night. Well, well, so, but no, so like so amongst <laughs> the three of us, right? So like I had a colonel, full bird colonel, Colonel Mike Howard, super cool guy. I don't, he'll ever hear this, I don't know, but you know, Colonel Howard, what's up? He he had inside scoop that was that told us that the reason that Chesty Puller never got a medal of honor is because headquarters Marine Corps knew he was trying to get one. <laughs> And he kept putting his men into bad places. And the headquarters was like, Chesty, knock it off. And he was like, nah. my love of Chesty, man. And they were like, every time he got, he sent another one up, they were like, here's another Davy Cross, knock it off. And he was like looking for fights to get into so that he could try to win his his Medal of Honor. And that's one of those things, man. I mean, again, this is is lore, but this was told to me by a full bird colonel. So- and he's a historian, like like nobody's business. So kind of a cool dude. Funny anecdote. His hey, well, last name is Howard. Well, screw um, you, Chesty Puller, wherever you are. Oh, whoa. So, whoa. So, I know that. So so there was this guy. <laughs> look on Drake's face right now. <laughs> there, there, so for the kids at home in boot camp, when before we hit the rack every night. We say goodnight, Chesty Puller, wherever you are, because he's like, he's like the the Marine Corps Santa Claus. Like he's just, <laughs> he's he really is <laughs> the Marine Corps Santa Claus. If you're good, when you wake up, Chesty will leave presents in your boots. 
Yeah, you get you get the if you if you're good, you get the the good MREs. If 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 you're bad, you get the vegetarian omelet. Yikes! Five fingers uh, of death. So Matt just destroyed. You know, you just basically told us Santa Claus was uh, was a murderous bastard. Hey, we're 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 peeling the covers back on everything. No stone, (laughs) no stone unturned. Yeah. (laughs) So. Do you do you guys happen to remember um, the 2015 Super Bowl performance of Katy Perry? Ish, yeah. This with the sharks and stuff, the right? Shark at the shark outfit, yeah. Uh no, she was in a uh, like a flaming red dress, riding. That a... was, she changed outfits like 14 times. Yeah, okay. The, okay. The, the, the shark thing was there also, but yeah. Okay, well, the part I'm remembering specifically is her on a big flaming red dress okay. riding a lion because she had because she had because she had the heart of a lion or the eye of a tiger or eye of a uh, lion yeah. or whatever what did what was she singing that's the song time? well that's the song okay the I, I, whole, by the way the thing... i love i love the irony of brian <laughs> correcting and teaching me and dre about sports ball things I know. No, the Super Bowl. I saw it on YouTube. Just the halftime. <laughs> I don't know who played or I did why. See it on YouTube. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyway, well, carry on. If you if you go back and watch it, well, I don't recommend anybody go back. I don't read. I don't. I don't recommend anybody reading Crowley's Vision in the Voice, where he details his the thirty aethers, where he saw these visions. But if you if you happen to have watched that. Or if you ever do, I mean, if you happen to have read that and then you go watch uh, Katy Perry's performance, it's full of imagery from that. Like she is full on doing a reenactment of Crowley and Ritual. Oh, now I got to go watch it. Um, It makes makes me wonder if she knew that or if it's just what something that's just out there. Choreographers. Somebody knew that. Because Hollywood just has this thing now, this entertainment is is just chock full of these things which we see get even you know more and more all the time like my man sam smith in the latest balenciaga and all that kind of stuff yeah Yeah. definitely and and yeah you you know i don't i don't know how somebody was it, it was so specific like it's very obviously whoever designed that was familiar with crowley right was reenacting it and you might remember in the early to mid aughts when you were hearing all kinds of stuff about how Britney Spears and Madonna and other celebrities were huge into Kabbalah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Madonna. I don't remember Britney, but Britney's Madonna, big crazy. Time. Yeah. 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 Madonna still is from what I know. Right. But, um, and Kabbalah isn't so bad, but it, it, it's, 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 it's interesting the, anyway. Well, and you there there are ideas in Kabbalah that you find just, you know, like in the Bible, um, like the, the Gematria for one thing. That's yeah. a that's a huge Kabbalah is a development of that. Like it, it didn't originate in Kabbalah, but that's a tributary to Kabbalah. Um, you find and, in the book in the book of then, Matthew. Then there you was find that, that that fat dude in the WWF. I don't I don't know that you're referring Kamala, to. It, it, it was but, Kamala. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, but occultism, my point is occultism is a major, it shows up all over the place in pop culture and you don't recognize if, if you're familiar with these concepts, you see it everywhere. 
Um, I don't. Yeah, know I can't serious. unsee it now all the time. Yeah, all, exactly. All the time. I don't know how seriously Katy Perry takes it. I don't know if she just thought it would be a like a cool thing to do a dance routine to, or if she's really like a considers herself and and an adept and Crowley and Thelemic magic. Um, but it is out there. It is a huge influence. And the more you're familiar with it, the more you see it, uh, you know, LGBTQ ideology is, you know, Crowley would be thrilled about that. Um, it, it's full of his ideas. This whole idea. Of- there's a, Hey, Brian, there's a, there's a movie called Katy Perry, the Super Bowl, and Satan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bruh. Nice. Oh, the re- we're at, we're, let's review it. The top three cast members are Russell Brand, Alistair Crowley, and Missy Elliott. <laughs> Alistair Crowley shows up. <laughs> Spe- special guests, Lenny Kravitz, David Letterman, and Ryan Seacrest. I think Seacrest was hosting. Link, the link will thing. be in the description. I'm totally yeah. watching that, and, then, and we're going to review it. <laughs> but After it's you guys watch Nefarious. Russell Brand was married to Katy Perry. Right. right. And Which is why he's, he's in... And now well, he's like red pilled and woke. He's, he's he's like awake, not woke. Yeah. He's awake. Yeah, I I think he's I think he's out of his mind still. No, I don't. That dude, that dude is all there. Well, every every he opens his the opening to his podcast sounds very much like he wants to start a cult. I mean, he might, but um, but he is he he act if you can look past that. He's actually turned into a, a pretty decent journalist. I mean, well, he's, and he's and he's maybe the most American <clears throat> of anybody I've ever heard talk about freedom and freedom of speech and and anti-establishment. Uh, it's I, interesting. Lots of foreigners are really good at that, is, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I look I, for the record. I really like Russell Brand and his podcast. Yeah, it's with, fun. It's, with it's reservations. Scary. Okay. Um. Like he is nuts. He is out of his mind. I mean, he did, he did a lot. He self attest. He did a lot of uh, crack and heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think Russell Brand and I would, I think we would, we could hang out and have a great time together and become good friends. And I would argue with him about a lot of fundamental things. Yeah. I think we could forget Sarah Marshall together really easily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we should have Russell Brand as a guest on the on that'd the podcast. Be fantastic! That, that'd be means we made it. Means he, we're we're there. Like, <laughs> or I mean, or it means he is. It means he or, made it. Or or it means he he fell the fuck off. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably, it's probably more likely. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, I don't think we. I don't good. think we talked about sex enough. We need more sex. I feel like we didn't. We talked about penises and and penis, uh, penis. way too much, but uh, mm-hmm. not not enough about ritualistic sex. But what do we know, leave what out? Do what do you guys? What do you guys want to? Where would you like to go? I uh, like, two two and a half hours later. Well, it's tough not, to tough to go yeah, anywhere. To, yeah. the The main points that I wanted to make are uh, just to sum up. If you're a Christian, you know, we're at war with spiritual forces of darkness. Um, They want to destroy humanity. They want to impede the church. They do that by promoting an antagonistic view of reality and salvation and by 
corrupting us to give into our animal nature. They, they work against the, the basic drive of the spirit to, to participate in the divine nature through discipline and reason and uh, intentionality, um, teaching us to give into our appetites and animalistic natures. Um, Western occultism is there is one of their main vehicles for this, although not their only vehicle. Everything about Western occultism is antagonistic to Christianity. There's the you know this there's this popular pluralistic view of religion in in the West where it's all there's this idea that it's all basically the same and just different, uh, superficially different. That's absolutely not true. It's the opposite of what's true. Um, I think we covered all that pretty well. Um, I don't think I have much more to add. I'm, I'll probably listen to this later on in the week and notice all kinds of stuff that I should have we're said. Gonna, we're going to have to have midweek Brian supplemental podcast where he just talks. There might be a market for that. Yeah. <laughs> I be like, hey guys, here's all the things I forgot to say on our on our main show. So I wanted to throw a couple of things out there. I think and this is are, I think and this is my own joking. this is our own little cult because it's you and me. You're getting the secret knowledge from Brian, <laughs> and we don't have those two clowns interrupting for, me for, every for, ten seconds. Well, uh, it, it could be only for subscribers, Brian. So you could create a <laughs> you could create a special Patreon club that only that only gets to hear what you have to say in between our shows. I think you guys are <laughs> making fun of me, but no, but, but I like it. No. I like I like the idea. No, no. I mean it's 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 a it's a thing, and uh, <laughs> as of right now, uh, you can reach us at Mount Hermeneutics uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, you can email at us at Mount Hermeneutics, uh, one word, um, at gmail.com. and uh, and of course on the artist formerly known as Twitter, which is now X, you can find us at M Hermeneutics. Uh, at, at X. So at M Hermeneutics. The DMs are open in all those places. Come at me, bro. Slide in. Yeah. <laughs> Slide. <laughs> and uh, you know, for for all you uh all you little hottie Christians out there, um Brian's single. <laughs> he's he's single. So if you're if you're modest and hottest, just go ahead and hit Brian up, slide into the DMs. Hey. Um, I'll try not to read them or I will and, and share them with, with Matt. But anyway, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate Christian you guys trying to, uh, trying to hook you up. We got it. Thank you. We, you know, no, no Babylons, even though I think he's into redheads, right? Like that, you know, that was a phase. That that I, a yeah, not, I, I think you could away, consider, consider that a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Mount Hermeneutics. We hope you enjoyed the show and maybe even took something away to think about. Be sure to send us feedback, both positive and negative. Like and subscribe on all the socials, and tell your friends. Until next time.